0: This is message 11 11 in our series, 13 messages through the book of 1 John, all on this theme of vital signs, the indicators of spiritual life. How do you know you have eternal life? That's why the whole book of 1 John was written, to give us assurance, confidence that we as Christians possess eternal life. The theme verse for 1 John Is in chapter 5 and verse 13 where John said, I write these things, that's the whole book, to you who believe, so he's writing to Christians, in the name of the Son of God so that you would know you have eternal life. How do you know you have eternal life? The vital signs, the spiritual vital signs in this book will be real in your life. And so far, we've looked at 10. All of these vital signs, if you're a Christian, should be real in your life. If these vital signs are not in your life, you're not a Christian. That's just how it is. One of the most important things to know in your life is definitely you're going to heaven. How do you know you're going to go to heaven? The evidence will be these vital signs. Number one, we kind of just review here, fellowship. All Christians share fellowship with God and other believers, walking in the light. All Christians walk in the light, not in the darkness. Christ's likeness all Christians resemble Jesus. They're like Jesus to a degree. Spiritual growth. All Christians grow spiritually. Loving not the world. All Christians possess an anti-love for the evil, wicked system of this world. The Holy Spirit's anointing. All Christians experience the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A purifying hope. All Christians possess a hope that purifies doing what is right. All Christians grow more and more in doing what is right and less and less in doing what is wrong as time goes on. Loving like Jesus. All Christians love like Jesus to a degree and testing the spirits. All Christians test the spirits. They test teachers. They test teaching to make sure it is of God like we studied last Sunday. This morning, vital sign number 11, and it's called loving others. Repeat that after me loving others so how do you know you have eternal life the answer is you'll be loving other people the way jesus loves other people there's no such thing as a christian who demonstrates zero percentage of god's love for other people we see there romans 5 5 it's on your outlines god has poured out his love into our hearts by the holy spirit whom he has given us when you become a Christian. God's love comes into your heart. It's poured out into you, and you begin to pour it out to others. At salvation, we receive as part of our eternal life the love of God. poured out into our hearts, and we begin pouring it out to others. That's how we know we're saved. We begin loving in a way that we never loved before because the love of God has invaded our souls. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five, by this all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, let's read about this vital sign of loving others, 1 John 4, 7 to 21, and then we'll take this passage apart this morning. Dear friends, let us love one another. Notice how many times the word love is used in this passage. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, if that isn't obvious, what John's trying to communicate, I don't know what is. Here's the question. This last week in your life, have you reached out and loved other people? Has that been what's characterized your life? If so, beep, 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 the vital sign of loving others is just like, that shows you have eternal life. There's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't love other, do you love people? Then you're, you're saved. If you're like, I hate people, <laughs> you have to say, is Jesus' love in your life because All Christians have the love of God in them, and guess what? They just love others. Not perfectly, but there's a pattern that's different than when you weren't saved. A pattern of love that now characterizes your life. Now, this morning what we want to do is we want to give you five reasons, because this is what John gives us, why Christians love others. Why do Christians love others? I mean, it's amazing. I look out here at this group of people, and I can, every one of your lives, I could tell stories, those I know you of you, your life, every one of you. I see how you love others, and it blows me away. And this is what is common to us as Christians. Why is it that you live a life of love? There are five reasons. Number one, we love others because love originates from God. I mean, where does love come from? The answer is God. Look at verse seven. Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? For love comes from who? God. God is the originator and the source of love. Down to verse 16, it says, God is love. The essence of God is love. God's core nature is loving. It's inherent in all God is and does. Even God's judgments and wrath are perfectly harmonized with his love. All types of love come and originate from God. There's philos love, which is more of a friendship type of love that you experience with a good friend. That comes from God. There's storge love, which is a family love. You have a a, a very unique love for your biological family and for the family of God. That comes from God. There's an eros love, which is a sensual love. That even comes from the Lord. But then there's the highest level of love mentioned 25 times in this passage, agapo or agape love. It's God's love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a love that's motivated by the well-being of others. It's completely undeserving. Regardless of who you are, of what you've done, God loves you. God will never love you more or less than he does right now. You can't earn God's love. You can't lose God's love. Isn't that amazing? God's love is consistent. Is your love like that for other people? Not perfectly, but guess what? If you're a Christian, you ought to be saying, you know, that's amazing what's in my heart. I do have this agape, self-sacrificing love for other people. There's someone in here that I heard recently of a gentleman in our ministry in Home Builders, and I don't think he's here today, but he had surgery and he's a man all by himself, lives all alone, and he was just lonely and he needed someone to just be with him. And I found out that this gentleman spent the whole night just to be with him, just to show love. Didn't come home to be with his wife. Said, I'll just, I'll stay with you. I'll be with you. Where does that love come from? That self-sacrificing love, it's all over this room. Sometimes we're very blind to it in our lives because it's so natural now for us as Christians. Why do we love? Because the originator of love lives in us. God lives in us, and when he lives in you, you you just live that out naturally. And as you do so, beloved, that gives you evidence. That's the evidence that you have spiritual, eternal life in you. That's John's point. If you're God's child, you will naturally reproduce the love of God through your life. If the life of God is present in us, then the love of God will also be present. You know, society said in the first century about Christians as they were just trying to get to know, they were like, who is this new society of Christians? They, they, they said this, my, how they love one another. That was secular society. And you know, uh, Neighborhood Church, Three Crosses, we have an amazing, re- this, this ministry right here, home builders, you have an amazing reputation of love. As a pastor, I hear all the time how much, how loving this group is. People come in here, and there's love, and throughout our church. You know, one of the ways that we seek, and it just comes naturally for us to show love to our community, just so you know this. I don't know if we've ever publicly said this, but when someone um, loses a loved one, whether they attend this church or not, you know, when someone dies, it, it's a business. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever... You go to the mortuary, it, 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 it is unbelievable the business there is. And sometimes how you get taken advantage of financially when you're in crisis. People call our church and they are always, it's, there's a pause when they say, well, how much is this going to cost me? We don't charge anyone. We don't charge anything for memorial services. Now, if you want to provide a love gift, you're welcome to. People are blown away again and again and again. We do dozens and dozens of memorial services here at this church. And it's one way. Why do we do that? The love of God is in us. Why do you love people the way you do? The love of God is in you. That's why we love with agape love. That's the first reason. We love others because love originates from God. Second reason we love others. We love others because we've been born of God. Now look if you want at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And then, why also do we love one another? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. (laughs) In other words, God has done something incredibly special and supernatural in our lives when we became Christians. We are not the person we used to be. We're a new person with a new capacity to love, and that's all come from God. It's called the new birth. Now, I want to take you... And have you hear something, because I thought, Lord, we, we, we're numb and we don't realize as Christians how radical the new birth is. So take your Bibles and I want you to go to Ezekiel. Okay, the book of Ezekiel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. But there you go. Try to find Ezekiel. <laughs> Do your best in the Old Testament. And go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Now here is a radical portrayal of what takes place in our lives when God gives us spiritual life. And uh, I'm just going to read this, and I think you're going to connect the dots, but this will underscore how crazy, extreme, and unbelievable it is when you experience new life, spiritual new life, when God's life comes into you. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me to the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. So I want you to think about a desert valley full of bones, dry bones. Just picture that. Thousands of human bones. Just picture that. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, this is God speaking. He says, son of man, speaking to Ezekiel, can these bones live? I said, Well, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. That's a good answer, by the way, to give to God. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. Now, Ezekiel was a preacher, and he's like, Okay, Ezekiel, start preaching to these bones. I feel like that's what I'm doing this morning. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Get your bones sitting down there listening to the pastor. He says, Prophesy. But can you imagine? You're Ezekiel. God says, Prophesy to these bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Are you see what's going on here? You and I are the dry, dead bones prior to God invading our soul spiritually. Our love For others is like dry, dead bones prior to God coming into your soul. Verses 7 to 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds. O oh, breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood upon their feet a vast army. God's life came into us when we heard the gospel preached through our Bible, reading it or hearing a pastor preach, and guess what? We came to life. And all of a sudden, the love of God has begun to pour out in our lives and it's impacted our marriages and our family and people We've gone from death, dead bones to spirit. That's how radical it is to have new life in Jesus Christ. And then you see there, I love that, verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. God put his spirit in us, the Holy Spirit, and now we are alive with agape love. God's nature is in us and we are loving now. Wow, that's powerful. Point? We love with God's love because of the miracle of new birth, new life. And God has brought this into our lives and has brought about a new type of love. One of the things that touches me um, as our pastor oversees missions, I know you know that's what I do also at the church. That's a big part of what I do. You know, we support 200... Indian pastors. I'm talking about pastors that serve India. India is still one of the least reached countries on the planet. There are numerous unreached people groups in India. We support 200 missionaries. I've been there. You've seen pictures of them. Some of you support those missionaries. But do you know how much they love their country and their people? These 200 missionaries, they go through two years of Bible college, and then they are prayed over and they are sent into an unreached area that's typically demonized worshiping in hinduism they worship 32 million gods demons they're sent into these areas first thing they do is once they enter an area they then walk outside the village typically the village is 5 to 600 people they will take a shovel and they will dig their grave and then they will go back and preach the gospel in that village and if they're martyred for their faith that is where they're buried What would possess someone to do that? The love of God. They have been born again. They used to be dead bones, worshiping false demons. And all of a sudden, as an Indian, they heard the gospel, the love of God came alive in their life, and it is compelling them to share the love of God with their fellow man. And that is what has happened in your life if you know Jesus Christ. If you're just religious, then guess what? (laughs) You don't know what I'm even talking about. And you need Christ as your Savior and Lord and allow his love to come into you and send you out to love other people, to spend the night with someone who needs a little bit of love and give up the comfort of your own bed. That's agape love. That's God's love. It's self-sacrificing. Beloved, this room is filled with people who have that kind of love. Why? Does that come from us because we're good people? No, 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 not at all. It comes from God, the originator of love, and then we're born again by the Spirit of God, and these dead bones come alive because God's love has lit now our lives on fire. That's what God does. Now, here's another good question. Why do people not love others with God's love? Well, verse 8 tells us, whoever does not love God, or whoever does not love, does not know God because God is love. I mean, you don't love others with agape love. The reason why? You don't know God. And that was me for 20 years. I was a heap of dry bones. I was loving me. It was all about me. I was my own God. I lived for me. Myself, I, that's it. And when I did love others, it was always for selfish purposes. Maybe to manipulate, to get something. But no pure love of others just because... God was leading me to love others until I was born again by the Spirit of God. We don't love because we don't know God. And when we know God, we love. Remember Saul? Prior to becoming Paul, he was out what? Killing Christians. All of a sudden, Acts 9 happens on the road to Damascus. He's born again, and all of a sudden, he just lay in his life down. Lo- and <laughs> The Lord was like, that was Paul right there. He was like, I'm in heaven, I love the Lord. That was cool, man, I like that. (laughs) That just says the warriors are going to win today. What can I say? You know, I'm sorry, it just had to go there. It sounded like the theme song. I, I don't know. Okay, why do Christians love others with God's love? Because we've been born again. If anyone is in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and part of the new that's come... When you're born again, as you start loving others with Jesus' love. All right, let's go to the third reason why Christians love others. We love others because of Jesus' example of love. I mean, Jesus' example of love is so motivating and so awe-inspiring for us as Christians. It just softens us. It seeps into our hearts, and it moves us to want to love the way we have received love. Verses 9 to 10, look at this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I mean, I have three boys. There's Josh right there, our eldest boy. I can't imagine sending one of my sons into this world to live a perfect life and then die for all of mankind brutally on a cross. I I can't imagine that. I don't have that kind of love, but God does. And God did this for me, the sinner. He sent his son to die for me as an expression of love. That, that just blows me away. I mean, when that really sinks into your heart that God loves me so much, he sent his one son and crushed him so that I could be forgiven. He loves me so much. What does the Bible say? God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And verse 10, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That image has the day of atonement in mind. Read about in Leviticus chapter 16, where that high priest once a year would go in and make sacrifice and 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 place blood for the forgiveness, the atonement of sin for Israel for a year, and yet it was just temporary, and yet Jesus went to the cross and paid the price as an expression of God, God's love for me. What does that do? For a Christian, if you're born again, it just melts your heart and makes you want to love others the way that you've received love. That's what verse 11 says. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love agape one another. We just want to love others the way Jesus has loved us. One commentator said this, no one who has been to the cross and seen God's immeasurable and unmerited love displayed there can go back to a life of selfishness. We are compelled to reciprocate. That doesn't mean we live a perfect life of love like Jesus. But we continue to look to the cross. We continue to take communion like we did this morning. And it softens us. Lord Jesus, help me to pour out love others the way that you have loved me. If you experience that, you are a Christian. You are born again by the Spirit of God because that is what normal Christian living is like. You are moved by the love of God. In addition, we, we, verse 12 is even true of our lives. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. See, Christians get it that God is invisible. You know, our friends, our neighbors, people who are lost, they don't see God physically right now. But when we love others, it's like God becomes visible to others through us. And in this sense, God's love becomes complete and the word there is mature, full in us. Years ago, during World War II, there was a, uh, an American soldier who's walking down the streets in England, and uh, there he saw a donut shop, and he went in and began uh, purchasing some donuts. And as he looked outside the window, he saw a little boy, just a little street kid walking up, and he, the little boy just pressed his face, his nose against the window, and just was looking in at all those donuts certainly couldn't afford a donut. And that soldier, his heart was just touched by what he saw. So he grabbed a couple more donuts, paid for them, put them in a bag and walked out and walked up to the little boy and just said, here son, handed them the bag. And the little boy took the bag, he looked into it and then he looked up and he said, mister, are you God? <laughs> See, we're never more like God than when we love. And when we love, That shows that God is in us. If we don't love, is God in us? You see, one of the most natural ways to know God is in you is you love. Not perfectly, but love is present. It comes out because you can't help but look at the cross and be moved by what Jesus has done for you, how much he has loved you and you want to love others. That's what moves you to go to Mexico. That's what moves you to give so that others can go to Mexico, or whatever it is. Our hearts are moved as believers, and as they're moved in love, that's just beep, beep, you're spiritually alive. And, and that, this is, again, one of the evidences that we have eternal life. Why do Christians love others with God's love? Because of Jesus' example. I love that. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, I put it down there. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Wow. Four reasons why Christians love others with God's love. We love others because love originates from God. We have been born of God. Jesus' example compels us. And the fourth reason is this. We love others because it leads to spiritual confidence. Now, I have to explain this one. Maybe you've never really thought about this before, but one of the byproducts of loving others with God's love is that it leads to our own spiritual confidence. Spiritual confidence about what? About our own salvation and that time in the future when we will see Jesus and stand before God. So I want to show you how this works. Listen to John's reasoning. He's going to build an argument leading to a very powerful conclusion Verses 13 to 17, let me just kind of explain a little bit as we go along here and then make the point. And I'll kind of preach on this and come at it from different angles so you understand where we're going with this or what John's trying to explain. Verse 13, we know, okay, we know, this is something we have confidence in, that we live in him and he in us. And otherwise, we know we are Christians, spiritual life in us, because he has given us of his spirit. The Holy Spirit does something in our lives with something we're going to talk about If you're saved, we know this. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If you're a Christian, you believe that. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. How do we rely on the love God has for us? And how does this lead to our confidence? Look at the next verse. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete, it's made full among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world, we are like him. In this world, we're like him. We love like him. And somehow, the Holy Spirit uses this fact to give us confidence about the day of judgment. Now, watch this. Um, some people I know because I talk to them. They're afraid of the future. They're afraid of God. They're afraid of a thing called the judgment. And, and maybe this is a little bit of a struggle with you. Um, I, people deep down know inside that there is going to be a day of reckoning. They know that. And the Bible even says that in Acts 17.31, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He's given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So watch this. If you claim to be a Christian and you fear Jesus' return, okay, this evidence is that something's not right. Something's wrong in your heart, in your your spiritual life. Because all mature Christians, mature Christians, long for Jesus' appearing. We can't wait for Jesus to return. I mean, that would be strange to not long for Jesus to appear. That would be like a bride who knows her wedding day is coming up, but she's not looking forward to it. I mean, that would be kind of strange, right? And yet Jesus is our groom. We are his bride. We should be looking forward to the day when Christ comes. So the question becomes this. If you've struggled with this ever before, like, I'm afraid if Jesus came back right now. why? How do you overcome that sort of fear? Okay? Look, look at 2 Timothy 4.8. There's a scripture there. This is normal Christian living, how we should be as a mature Christian. Now, there is in store for me. Notice, in store for me. This is not something you have to dread. The crown of righteousness, which is a reward, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. That's speaking about the day of judgment. It's the Bema Seat judgment, a unique type of judgment for a believer. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed, for his appearing. So for a Christian, there's something in store ahead, and it's something that we should long for this appearing. For Christians, our time of judgment is a time of reward. Jesus said in Revelation twenty two twelve, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to render to each person according to what they've done. So our future, when we see Jesus, will be a time of reward. Now, again, how do I... You know, how do I grow my spiritual confidence again about this future day of Jesus' appearing? Let me give you a principle. As you live your life characterized by supernatural agape love, what you're doing if you're born again, this leads to confidence about this day. Why? Because only people who are born again can live this kind of way. And guess what? People who are born again will not face judgment. They will face rewards. Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You say, okay, pastor, preach on this a little bit more. I think I'm getting it. Let me give you a principle here. Perfect love, mature, complete love, perfect love casts out or drives away fear. Of what? Of judgment. Now, you've, heard the, you've read this scripture before. I know if you're a Christian. But you're like, what does it mean, perfect love casts out fear? Let me put it this way. Give you another spiritual equation. You plus agape love lived out in your life equals spiritual confidence about the future that you will not face judgment but reward. And love lived out in your life gives you that assurance. You say, I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting it. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love. Let's read it this way. There is no fear of judgment when you are loving. But perfect judgment. Love, that's God's love lived out through you, drives out fear of judgment. Because fear of judgment has to do with punishment. The one who fears this judgment is not made perfect in love. The point is this, when you and I get lost in God's love for us, and when we are living out God's love for others, that's perfect love, and that drives away fear. So, for example, the person here who spent the night with a brother, The last thing I guarantee that that person thought of was, wow, I'm afraid of what's gonna happen when I experience the judgment. You're not thinking that at all. You wanna know why? Because you are living out God's love poured out through your life that gives so much evidence that you're a Christian. It just reassures your heart that you belong to God and your confidence grows and grows because guess what? It shows you're a Christian. But watch this. If you claim to be a Christian, and there's no agape love oozing from your life, you are going to fear the judgment because you have no evidence you're saved. What's the evidence that you are saved? There are 13 pieces of evidence in this book. One of them is agape love. And if you can't point to any times in your life where you're agape loving, you ought to be afraid because you may not be saved. You may be a religious person, But if you're saved, agape love is going to be coming from your life. Not perfectly, but there will be a pattern of this that will reassure your heart that, in fact, you are born again. And the Holy Spirit uses that to just burn into your heart that you're God's child and there's no fear of judgment. Look, if you would, verse 13. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And the Spirit uses Your love life lived out of agape love to just reassure your heart and comfort you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. That's awesome. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. So why is it that we love one another? One of the byproducts is it gives us this assurance of the fact that we are spiritually right with God, belong to God. Let me give you a fifth uh, reason why Christians love one another. Number five is this. We love others because God first loved us. Um, Do we love others because, you know, we're just these awesome people, nice people in and of ourselves? No. Only because God has reached out and initiated his love in us. Chapter four, verse 19. We love because he first loved Us. I mean, the only way we love others is because God reached out to us and touched us with his love. I I have to say that. That's my testimony. I I just didn't love others before I knew Jesus. And he reached out to me, saved me, poured his life into these dry bones, and gave me a love for others that I, I just can't. I go, where does this come from? It only comes from God. only comes from God. You know, the Bible says this um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There's nine pieces of fruit, but they're really one fruit. You see, the point is this the fruit of the Spirit, the result of God's Spirit in you when you're born again, is all those nine things. That's, That's another series right there you could do. If love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control are not in you, guess what? You're not saved. Because that is the fruit of God's Spirit. That doesn't mean it's perfect in you. But that's another nine things we could study that give evidence you're saved. When you're born again, when God pours life into you, you're a dead bone prior to it. You're incapable of love, joy, peace, patience, and all that. You're incapable of these 13 things. But all of a sudden, God you know, speaks to your dry bones. You're born again by the Spirit of God. New life comes into you. Guess what? Agape love. It starts with love. The fruit of the spirit is love, and that's agape. You look at we've kind of skipped this in chapter 4 verse 9. This is how God loved showed his love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's the only way to live out God's love is through him, through Jesus. How do I love my spouse? Through Jesus. How do I love my kids? Through Jesus. How do I love my teenagers? Believe me, the only way is through Jesus. (laughs) How do you love that neighbor that just drives you crazy? Through Jesus. Now watch this. God's supernatural love is in your heart. It's there. But you still need Jesus' power to live it out. It's there, but it can kind of run dormant without the Holy Spirit empowering you to live it out. And you've got to ask God for his strength that through Christ, and that's what Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So the love of God in our life is there, but we need his power to live it out. Now, John gives us one more thought here in verse 20 to 21 about this. He says, if anyone says, no, here's a claimer. If anyone says, well, I love God, and maybe that's you. You say, I love God, okay, and you love. Awesome, that's characteristic of a Christian. Yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Seriously, I I love God, but man, I can't, I hate Jeff or Susan or Stan or Mary. I just, I hate them. And they're a Christian. You hate them. God says, he's a liar. You say you love God, but you hate a believer, a fellow believer? Well, you're a liar. You don't really love God. You can't do that when the originator's love lives in you. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And he has given us this command whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, one of the greatest ways to know if, in fact, you truly are a Christian is that uh, you will love, watch this, other Christians. Christians, they're weird. Christians are strange. Christians are really, you know, serious. And I'd be one of them. And you know. Hey, when I was a non Christian, I, I, I used to think Christians were the weirdest people on the planet. I had no love for them. I was in darkness, they were in light. I didn't want to have anything to do with them. I had no zero love for Christians. All of a sudden, God's life comes into me, these dry bones, I have new life, I am now a Christian, and I flat out love Christians. That is an evidence that I am born again. So you have to be honest with you. If you don't love Christians, you've got to say, am I born again? That doesn't mean you're going to love them perfectly, but there is a, a very special love you have for Christians. Um. If in fact God's love lives in you, you are just drawn to them. I can't be around Christians enough. Just love them. Hmm. Verse twenty says again, and he who and by the way he says here, um, for for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, and if you have seen someone, that's like you know. Well, that, that's obvious. You've seen them. That's kind of the easier. Well, how can you love God them whom you haven't seen, which is the more difficult? God's invisible. I mean, it's an interesting point of reasoning. So there we have five reasons why Christians love others with God's love. I'm going to have you discuss these in a second here. Let's review them real quick. Why do we love others? That characterizes our life. Love for others. Why? Love originates from God. We have the originator, his love in us. We've been born of God. all that day just changed our lives. These dry bones came alive with God's love. Jesus' example, oh, man, every time we just look at Jesus at the cross, it just melts our heart, and we want to love others. It leads to spiritual confidence. The more we love other people, the more God affirms that we are his child, and we just have confidence that we belong to God. And also, God loved us first. I mean, he reached out to us. He initiated his love in us. He loved me first, and therefore, I just reciprocate. I want you to talk about those. Of the five reasons believers love others, which reason most explains your love for others? Talk about that. Go for it. Okay, well, we've looked at the 11th vital sign indicating that we possess eternal life, and it's called loving others. So that's the question. How do we know we again... Possess eternal life? Well, we'll be loving others with the love that God has given us. So time to evaluate. Time to just take a little spiritual test here. And I do this because I honor you. And I want to make sure that in your heart, you're able to say, Lord, I belong to you. I evidence this area of spiritual life. Paul said, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course you fail the test. But I look around here and I just see hundreds of people who just passed this test and you amaze me with your love. Be encouraged this morning because God has given you this word to give you assurance, confidence of your own salvation. And yet there may be someone here who is like me, dry bones. The love of God was not there. But question, do you find yourselves loving others with God's love? Is God's love in your life, and does it come out? Does it seep out? Does it show itself? And if, in fact, it's there, you understand what I'm saying. You're like going, yes, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've done this mighty, mighty work in my life. You've given me a love for other people. And that's awesome. That shows this spiritual vital sign is alive in your life. Remember the purpose of 1 John. I write these things to you. Believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal, that you would know you have eternal life. That's the purpose of 1 John, to give you confidence, assurance. This last Thursday, I'm going to tell this story in a sermon I'm going to preach here a little later um, in a new series that we're going to be doing. But I just feel compelled to share a little bit of it right now. But I was just upstairs studying our garage door needed to be repaired, and so I had contacted a repairman. His name was Scott, and he came out and introduced himself to me. Hey, he was a young guy. Actually, he was the son of the owner of the company. And um, so I, I just said, hey, I'm upstairs. You do your work, and, and uh, I'm studying away. And, and that's where God's love began to just move in my life. Here's a young man, Mark. He was already kind of swearing and just using language. And I'm like, man, he's lost. You brought him here, Lord. And so God led me to go down there and just spend time with him, ask him some questions. And uh, he, he asked me about our boys, and I was telling about Josh, and he's in the Marines, and Josh actually, you could be praying for him, he just got into was it, sniper school, he's going to be going to this Wednesday, please be praying for Josh, wasn't planning out, but I was telling him about that, and he was like, whoa, and he's just like, so, man, these are like and then you've got a couple other sons, yeah. And I was like, well, they're part of a band and, and they kind of travel the world and, and they're called Worthwhile. And he was like, wow, so they're like living the, the rock style lifestyle. And I'm like, well, actually, the lead singer is also a pastor. I'm a pastor. And he's like, you're a pastor? And I could tell he wasn't shocked by it, but he was like intrigued by it. And I said, you know, man, Scott, I can tell in your life, uh, you know, you're searching, you're looking and you're a great kid, man. But, but your quest, one day, I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to lead you to the only one that can meet the real need in your life, and that's Jesus, because he's the only one big enough to meet the, meet the void in your life. And he's just like, and he, just, he looked at me and goes, I know nothing about God. And I said, well, man, I tell you what, you put away your tools, if, if you got five minutes, I'd be glad to just share with you about what it means to know God's love. And he's like, I'd love that. So he put his, and you know, this is what God does. He leads us to someone who needs his love. And if we just follow his leading, like the Holy Spirit always does, God does a miracle. So, you know, some of you know, you've been through Seminar 401, I how have a very specific way of teaching people the gospel with a diagram. And I'd be happy to teach that to you. But I just took the little diagram out. It takes five minutes. And and so he's like, I've never understood this. Or I said, Scott, do you want to ask Christ right now to come into your life? He goes, yes. So we prayed right there. And he gave his life to Jesus. And, And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he goes, Mr. Tyler, call me Mr. Tyler, thank you so much for talking to me about God. People need the love of God. You have God's love in you. I have God's love in me. And let us just go out and share that love. Keep doing what you are doing. Volunteer appreciation today. As far as I'm concerned, you are the greatest volunteers at this church. This is the core right here. And I get to talk to you every Sunday. It's an honor. You inspire me. But if for some reason you are here and you know not the love of God, God loves you so much. And and the contrast to what your life could be, a life of love, Jesus is here to fill your heart and allow you to start loving others like you could never imagine. That's eternal life, to know God and to know his love. Let's pray.